Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. And get your head knocking. Hello. So there are there are speakers in this monitor that I got, and it just tripped me out so bad because I heard myself and didn't realize that where it was supposed to come from, and it was just behind the monitor. Where are you? <laughs> I hear bugs. Come on, speaker. So I actually have a, a monitor that's a little broken and it has a capacitor that randomly discharges like really slowly uh, in the mm-hmm. sound chip. So what will happen is out of nowhere, my monitors sound like, <laughs> well, like a fire alarm. It'll be like, boo, boo. <laughs> and I'm like, where is it coming from? What is that sound? Like, I think that's a that's feature. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it turns out that it's a, uh, it's a known like sketchy uh, capacitor discharging, but that's annoying. Yeah, I had a friend once who had a computer case. Uh, it's called the Phantom, and it would just make random spooky noises. Uh, nice. And sounds like a Phantom to me. Yeah, just make this weird, like play this weird tone at like at random intervals. It was super weird. <laughs> what that reminds yeah. me of, though. It's like case modding back in the day. You go to lands and people would have like subwoofers like right next to their hard disk, and you'd be like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah." My favorite I ever saw were LED uh, motherboard feet. Nice, <laughs> Just super next level. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, hey yo, so we're uh, super excited to have um, Live Overflow with us on our show here today. He's here yeah. for that. Which is awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so we're here. Basically, we're going to do some. Uh, for people who are listening from his channel, we are doing our. We do a podcast called Bug Crowd, um, and it's just all, basically all about hacking infosec news. And we talk to some of our favorite hackers who are doing cool stuff around the world. Um, and so we'll do a little bit of news, and then we'll talk with uh, Live Overflow here about what he does. <laughs> Maybe he'll chime in on some of our news stories as well. Um, so yeah, I posted the show notes in the chat. Um, if anybody didn't see it, it's right here again and here. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, before we start off though, does anybody have anything cool they did this weekend or any, uh, projects they've been working on? You want to discuss real quick? I discovered this little record shop in my town that they have a whole bunch of pinball machines and arcade cabinets in the back take quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spend probably two hours there. <laughs> That's awesome. The <laughs> machines are a marvel of engineering. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. They're 
there's actually some interesting software that you can, like if you're uh, into pinball, but you're like, oh, I have no space for 700 pinball machines. There's um, a project that is on the internet where you have like a 42 inch screen as the, the pinball machine. And then another screen at the back and there's software that runs on windows that emulates all these different tables. Mm-hmm. And then people build like the frame and put the bumpers and stuff. So they get, you know, get the feedback. They do the, t- you know, if you tilt, it'll, not go and stuff. It's like pretty crazy. That's sweet. Yeah, it's like a DIY thing. So it's a combination. You get to see, have a combination of like computing, software, electronics, and put it all together and build it yourself. I have no idea what it's called. I just saw one and it was sweet. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I spent a good amount of time today um, trying to get that, um, what's it called? That TCP SAC um, DOS working. Oh, yeah. Up, um, somebody ended up. I don't even know what happened. It was somebody actually from, from Canberra uh, in Australia just started like hitting the port that I was hitting on the box that I was testing. So I just changed like the output to say like, sup Canberra, um, I'm testing something. And no one has said anything about it since then. But if you were the person who was just randomly hitting the old challenge server for um, our, C- our CTF to get into our chat, um, that was uh, that was me. So hi. <laughs> Tweet at us if that was you. What's um, up, Sylvia? <laughs> right i was just like yeah. <laughs> they were actually trying to do something weird i don't i did i have a the, the pcat file i didn't get to finish looking at it but it's uh yeah cool stuff <laughs> that's right that's where all the uh that's where a lot of the, the government employees are in canberra so sweet sweet all righty uh let's get right into the news then um so the first thing that we have in here is pretty funny um so apparently there's a battle between this group of uh of security researchers um but we're just like frustrated with the way that the WordPress forums um, work and the way that they can disclose vulnerabilities to them. So they found a couple of bones um, recently and they were in some Facebook plugins. So one of them was for me- Messenger customer chat. Um, so it's like a custom chat window for Messenger on WordPress sites. And then Facebook for WooCommerce, which both of these combined have like quite a few people, like a couple hundred thousand people that use them. And um, so apparently they just kind of were mad that the people just kept telling them that uh, they shouldn't be like releasing uh, like vulnerability disclosure on this forum here. And so they just got pissed and they just dropped another uh, two POCs for both of these uh, vulnerabilities just on the forum. Uh, I mean... It- it's pretty funny though. WordPress bugs, especially in plugins, are a dime a dozen. So, do we know? Was this actually produced by Facebook, or is it just? Yeah. Made? So Facebook had Facebook had produced these, and they I think they tried to to go through the Facebook bug bounty program, and they didn't didn't really count it because it's not in scope um, for their program for like just WordPress plugins. So then they yeah. just got kind of like frustrated with that, and then they just dropped the the POCs on the on the forum. So Facebook did maintain and release these though. I I also looked at it uh, quickly, and it looks like that this has been an ongoing thing with them and WordPress. They have disclosed vulnerabilities about WordPress plugins for a long time already. So it's not just that they were disgruntled about like this one handling here or something like this, but that this has been like an ongoing drama, apparently. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally, I totally understand it. As as much as it's as it's frustrating for the WordPress developers and the researchers who want to just, you know, disclose vulnerabilities, get them fixed, especially for stuff that's got a huge uh, user base um, for something as, as big as Facebook. 
I see where both of them come from. <laughs> yeah, this drama though, <clears throat> we've had quite a few uh, people that we know <laughs> trying to disclose. We actually have a couple of ones we're going to talk about later that the similar thing happened, but it seems to be sort of a of a trend of people just not not being satisfied with the way that that vulnerabilities are triaged and handled. There's one other interesting tidbit that I saw. Um, those researchers were also showing like a screenshot of like the, of the Facebook official like plugin website had like uh, a warning on there saying that this plugin hasn't been tested with the latest three major releases of WordPress. It may no longer be maintained or supported and may have compatibility issues used with more recent versions of WordPress. So this has been like an outdated, not used plugin anymore. And then this WooCommerce uh, plugin started to include that Facebook additional plugin as like a default installation yeah. uh, plugin. And so these researchers were also saying like, this plugin is unmaintained and this has been just added there. This is uh, terrible. I, I find this also to be a kind of significant small detail to that story. Yeah, absolutely. No, because so that's the other thing too, is that there's just like with Facebook Messenger that and the Facebook app that comes just bundled and not uninstallable on so many different Android devices. It's just one of those things where you bundle it. And if you're going to bundle software and force people to have it, you have to maintain it. There's no way that you can't. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a slap in the face to not do that. It's also the case on like, like you see on uh, a lot of mailing lists, like CV requests and stuff where people are like, Hey, have like, 10 bugs in WordPress, can I have 10 CVEs? And Miner will be like, no. And then so they're like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm going to full disclosure. And everyone's like, okay. Like that's the, yeah. kind of the, the WordPress thing, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> it's because there's just so many. It's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things where hopefully it just uh, goes away soon, but it definitely won't. <clears throat> yeah. I think what, what was uh, uh, a link we had a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so. I don't know. We had we had a link at some point that was uh, like ninety percent, ninety percent. I think maybe of what like uh, websites hacked to like WordPress, like out of like you know the PHP family of commonly used frameworks. Yeah, it does not surprise me one bit. Was, yeah, I definitely believe that. It was. It was. Yeah, it was significantly more than like. Um, I don't know. I think the second one. In Drupal or something, I don't know, whatever it was, or Magento yeah. maybe, yeah, and it was just like long. so much higher. Yeah, one of one of the you know, others, but um, yeah, because I guess so many people choose WordPress because everybody uses WordPress. I don't know. Yeah, and it's definitely like the easiest out of all of these. That's things. what I think. I think it's also the fact that it's so easy to set up. So a lot of people who might not have that you know, security experience at all or even awareness, they have a WordPress site. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things. It's a ubiquitous technology that's easy for a lot of people to use, Facebook and WordPress. So it's just, I don't know. I just feel like the, the sort of landscape of it really needs to be, I think people should <laughs> take a better look at it if they can, and researchers too. And it's like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the whole plugin landscape is, though, if you can actually just like say, like, yo, I'll just maintain it, because a lot of them are closed source too. So, so with the... Like, well, like W Packagist or whatever, which was also funny. It was, there was like a shell expansion in the main search on that site at some point, but um, it was disclosed. But uh, that's actually like a Composer repo so that you can use Composer to manage dependencies. That's still not going to fix your WordPress. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think one of the big things is, right, it's like when you're just adding on to someone else's stuff, right? Like you don't know how, like you don't have necessarily control or know exactly how everything else in that like ecosystem works. And there, I mean, there are very few people who are writing WordPress plugins who have, you know, audited all of you know the WordPress code because it's fucking giant and unmanageable. Uh, It's like one of those things that's bound to happen when you're just like spaghetti coding on to someone else's spaghetti code. Yeah, I guess uh, if you're looking for an alternative to WordPress, we can. There's like uh, like Pelican written in Python, which will do a static like a CMS where you write Markdown and you deploy it to like a static host, S3 mm-hmm. buckets, or OctoPress, or uh, Jekyll. Like, there's a bunch. So there's there's not like there's a lack of options out there. And for things like comments, you're like, oh, a static site, no interaction. Like, you've always got things like Discuss or whatever. Like, if Discuss get owns that uh, gets owned. That's not your problem, right? So yeah, it's it's pushing off onto someone else, <laughs> but it's right. uh, I mean that's why they're there, right? Because that is a service, and you can yeah, that's mostly models. trust them. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Also, yeah, Ghost Blog is uh is pretty cool too, but I'm not a big fan of JS, but it's like the you know open source medium alternative. Oh yeah. Oh. Um... This next one, this next story here is um, pretty interesting. I guess it's, it's, I think it's the time that people are who are writing Mirai variants are finally just smartening up a little bit. So this is by um, Campus Cody. Um, it's about the EchoBot malware. It's basically just like a super Mirai bot that just uses every exploit, which it's weird to think that there hasn't been like a time where there's not like an, or it's weird that nobody has thought of, of kind of doing a sort of an auto-pwn type of thing with uh, Mirai because there's so many exploits that can be leveraged. And it seems like a lot of Mirai variants are based around like one or two different exploits um, that might have come out recently to try to pull the most bots, I guess, from it. Um, but this one is just everything. So if you have a chance to look at it, you'll see all of your favorite uh, CVEs from like three or four years ago just rolled into one. Yeah. It's like a now, that's what I call music album, but with <laughs> CVEs and your eye. No, it's a grand reason. I think one of the reasons why we haven't seen this yet is because uh, we've needed somebody who a wants to build a botnet out of Mirai and on top of Mirai, who also has the skills to, you know, uh, create, a module that is each individual POC and has, you know, the knowledge to go, I need all of these vulnerabilities mm-hmm. added. Like it's, it's taken somebody who wants to do all this stuff and has the skills. Whereas usually we only really see someone who wants to do it or somebody who has the skills who doesn't want to do it. Um, it's yeah. kind of like writing Metasploit modules, right? Like mm-hmm. why, exactly. why do you write a Metasploit module if you can just use Python POC? Like you don't really give a shit, right? So now yeah. somebody... That, that's a huge thing. That's so. Whenever I've looked at any Mirai variants, usually the the vulnerabilities that they're using are you'll you'll look at the way that they'll they'll pass data to say like a SOAP interface for a for a remote code execution vulnerability, and then the way that they pass data to like um uh, I don't know something else that's uses like a get right. So they'll they'll just like change like the HTTP verb, but then like they'll have like other aspects of the header that are relevant to say like SOAP or um, yeah, you know, some other for- protocol, and it'll just be still in there. Which is actually it's funny. I meant to put this in the Safari Zone um, thing where Hermits um, had found had found a uh, a Mirai 
bot that had the standard output from the bot that was supposed to go to like the socket where the uh um like back to the c2 was being dumped into the telnet um uh username and password for a brute forcer so it was like oh, killing yeah. itself by by one by having all these file descriptors just overloaded and shooting them off into it's a telnet but the fact that they couldn't even see what was happening to the bot it says like successfully connected scanner has started brute forcing this IP and it's just that's the login name. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty amazing. <laughs> um thanks <but> yeah. Stack <laughs> Overflow. <laughs> finally they're finally starting up here. I think though it's just that's probably it has to do with the fact that all like the variable names are like anime references and you you know hell different uh anime characters in there that you're just kind of assigning to different variables and casting and recasting and it just gets real messy. Yeah, I accidentally sent uh, sent it out to Naruto instead of uh... instead of Sasuke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate when you get those files scriptures next time. You need uh, to be. Uh, well, you need to have all the knowledge about the different powers and abilities these characters have. Then all these variables make sense. It uh, it makes perfect sense. As somebody who does like anime and looks at malware source code all the time, it's uh, <laughs> it's a trip. I'm sometimes like, why would you put these two variables together? They would hate each other in the. You know, <laughs> uh, um, don't ship those variables. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Like, I'm looking at some. There's one of the bugs that was added in this that was uh, a ubiquity <laughs> error bug, which is like the nano beams um, and a couple of the other things. So, not like the switches, not your generic APs and whatever. Because uh, mm -hmm. is separate. And this is a, like a, a CV from 2010. And I can think of like three or four like mad better ones. How like PHP. Two was running on those with like um like like per, like globals were uh like all GPC were globals so you could just like mm -hmm. LS yeah um, so there's like way better uh, like well not better but way more bugs that they could have used that would you know it's more likely that the older bugs have been patched as opposed to something a little bit newer I don't know I didn't see the point <laughs> of bothering to add that one I was like that's a really weird addition. It it's honestly always just amazing to see <laughs> stuff even gets out there. This is this is the kind of thing that cripples the internet, but it's just so terrible that it's laughable, and that's the horrible thing. It's like a baby with a gun. It's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Maggie um, Simpson. Yes. Oh <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of a next story here. I should just mention this earlier. The sad sack um, vulnerability here. Um, this is pretty interesting. Um, somebody at Netflix had found this. It's basically um, a way to, so like the SAC um, part of the TCP stack basically allows you to like, instead of saying like, I didn't receive, I only received up to like this amount of data in like a, in like a stream, I didn't receive these chunks of data. And then it's like for faster throughput for um, sending data in a stream basically. And so, um, the kernel, uh, I guess the Linux kernel, um, if you have more than like 17, I think of these structs that are supposed to hold, um, the different chunks, um, in the, uh, what's it called in like the SAC queue, basically, um, it crashes the kernel. And so you have to also play with a little bit with like the, uh, maximum segment size, which is the, um, what's it called? Like the maximum amount of data that can actually be passed within its chunk, um, and so there's a playing with some of those different those different values will just break 
uh, a Linux box. And a lot of them, I mean, every single one that I checked that I have control of has, um, has this enabled. So, so what, one of the things I, I saw though, was that, uh, this is part of, uh, the, the GSO, which was like, is a uh, general segmentation, um, as opposed to TSO. So there is a an Ethernet driver element to it as well. So not not every machine is vulnerable. There's a bunch. Um, there's mm-hmm. a. I'm I'm not sure of the exact specifics here, but there is like a, a separation of um, different Ethernet controllers that use each. So whether yeah, it's done yeah. in hardware handoff, like it, it it matters. Yeah, there's definitely some. I I was trying to get it to work. It, I don't know if I was doing it correctly. I, I, def, I was just playing with Scapey a bunch, but um, yeah, I mean, I would play with this because it seems funny um, to just kind of exhaust resources. Basically, you're just you're just making the kernel like traverse like a bunch of long linked lists that just c- contain massive amounts of data, and so yeah, it's a um, pretty fun way to uh, crash your own mach- own machine. <laughs> crash your I, machine. I noticed that it was uh, reported by Netflix, so yeah. I assume they must have run into that in production. Like that, probably like some source of just crashing oh. randomly. <laughs> Absolutely, there's no way that like some like obscure like resource exhaustion bug would come from anybody but like Netflix or Google. <laughs> so, yeah, wait for their new exclusive show. Some of the other variations that are not uh, kernel panics as well were also just. Um, uh, slowing down the machine as well as so slowing network traffic, which I think mm-hmm. is probably way more annoying to Netflix because Netflix use chaos monkey, right? Where they just pull the plug yeah. and ran. <laughs> yeah. So whereas like, instead of pulling the plug, they just slow the traffic down to, you know, N percent of uh, total throughput. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. their CD is slow as hell and everyone's watching 240p on their TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And getting all these tickets. Oh, Yes. Mm. Yeah, shout out to the team at Netflix. There was a Netflix engineer streaming the other day on Twitch, uh, trying to optimize like memory footprint of the uh, Netflix TV app. He was instrumenting the uh, the Java uh, VM that they they were using to run on as an app on on the TV, and he was trying to like change the memory allocation stuff to the to optimized that and yeah he was streaming that i thought that was pretty cool that's really cool Netflix yeah, definitely do some pretty sweet engineering mm. yeah definitely uh yo so this next one here is pretty cool too this is uh <laughs> i guess not that cool it's uh the, so i guess fit certified uh yubikeys um are not random enough so oh, okay. um so YubiKeys, if anyone doesn't know, are like little hardware tokens you can use to generate like cryptographic keys for, I guess, whatever you need to use yeah. them for. They, they do like uh, TOTP, HOTP, static strings, and other things like that. So there's usually two modes where you press, you tap the button or you hold the button, and yep. each part will give you a different value. No, it's pretty cool. Um, but so the, the fifth is, uh, what does it stand for again? It's like the Federal Information Processing Standards. Basically, uh, uh, some standards that are used um, for like federal government, like military, like things that need like actually really good encryption. Um, level, so, would you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, military group. So, yeah, military grade <laughs> encryption, you need that, base 64. Um, so the, um, I guess they do some standard tests or self-tests of the hardware when it starts up, but it doesn't 
clear its buffer that holds the random values. And so the content in the self-test is like known. So it's predictable. And if you are using this for your cryptographic purposes, um, you're just kind of at some certain time sending um, like very not random data uh, over there. And you can predict that and use that. I believe it was three captures. If you captured it three or four times, it was a very, very low number that you could then predict the seed. Yeah, it was three times. But the thing that's interesting is also they have you know, firmware versions that are vulnerable. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, in theory, I okay. guess, reflash it. Well, no, you actually you need a hardware upgrade. <coughs> so you actually get a free hardware upgrade if you're affected. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, so this is this is a cool thing. This actually happened to me last time they did a hard, free hardware upgrade. Um, so I had a YubiKey. I was using it for a while. Uh, bug comes out, put in serial number for YubiKey, right? But the old YubiKey is still good. It doesn't. It's just broken in this one aspect that's not promised. So if you're going to use it for like static strings or holding other secrets that you maybe need, like less secure things that you don't need to use it, uh, the FIPS compliance stuff for, it's still uh, you know get a free YubiKey. And use the old one as yeah, a, I mean, a different key. Two things. One, I move by YubiKey. It's really nice that they're doing the replacement. But also, you know, not everyone has that use case of, you know, someone's trying to like capture three different things. If you're just using it to replace, you know, SMS two factor, I don't think it's too terrible to still keep around. No, definitely not. Like it's, uh, it's still a hardware token that needs to be taken from you, or at least it's data. So yeah. if you get fished three times, the YubiKeys hasn't saved you anyway. You know, eventually <laughs> 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 fished three times, you've already fucked up. Like, That's true. Yeah, but I, yeah, it definitely has a use, and I think it's real great that YubiKey is sticking through and replacing them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anybody see this before it got deleted Samsung um, tweeting out that you should scan your smart TV for malware every few weeks I think you should go to the pawn shop and get a regular fucking TV (laughs) find one you have to just use their antivirus software and just scan your TV it's just like I don't know I mean that's a good first step I guess for securing it but at the same time why does your smart TV have vulnerability like what is okay. what is exposing to the internet besides something that would communicate directly with samsung if you one day if you've managed to like that all of this smart shit is garbage i'm just gonna stop yeah. making it yes okay if your smart tv is either hooked up directly to the internet or has malware on it you probably have bigger problems yeah so I had this really weird scenario where I had an Ethernet cable plugged into my TV. Not that I ever use it. I just, I was playing with it and stuff. It does, uh, <coughs> whatever. Um, but it's on, a, it's on a separate network. But the only thing that was on the network with, um, was a gateway. And it was getting these like weird pairing requests that were popping up on my TV. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't even know you, you could pair stuff to this TV. Um, mm-hmm. And I just swapped my gateway out to one that wasn't a piece of shit and it went away. But uh, it was definitely like really alarming. Mm. Week. I was like, this is super sketchy. Right. Has anybody read anything about what kind of malware this is? Because to be honest, it was actually the first time that I've heard that you could get even 
Melbourne uh, TV is. I mean, they're definitely like, running something, right? Yeah, of course. But but how would you get this? Like, there's not like an app store. Like, how would they get on? There I would. And, I know for uh, a fact some some TVs you can do just like your basic format injection or you know whatever it's running through user fields. But I have a feeling it has to be something that's like you're on the network and you can interact with it, so you can you know pass data to it via whatever forms or. So well, they, they do have. They do have an app store on a lot of smart TVs for things like Netflix, yeah. Netflix and that kind of thing. But also there uh, there was a talk at, I think, at DEF CON or Blackout like maybe four or five years ago on owning smart TV, like uh, bugs in smart TVs. Um, and as far as I can tell from looking at just the licensing in um, some smart TV manuals, like there's things in there's like licensing from Mozilla, there's like for the browser stuff. As far as yeah. I can tell, it's like Linux-based, you know, firmware. For sure, it, it's just like all the owning of the smart TV is one thing, but but making it like I, I'm not aware of anything that would count that would allow like regular consumer like malware kind of stuff like air, yeah. injected ads. I, I know that this is theoretically possible, but but I'm not aware how how you would get like masses of people to get that kind of malware on a TV. I don't know. That's also a good uh, side question. What are you doing with it? Just like a yeah, foothold on a network? Or? There's an article from 2017 where uh, LG smart TVs are infected with Android ransomware. Hmm. Yeah, no. So the, there, um, some of the things yeah. are running Android. A lot of them also run WebOS, um, which like you can totally audit. Um, but yeah, no, the, the landscape of it, I think, is a lot of it was more proprietary where that people had to write their own sort of like internal set top box for the TV with like apps and features and stuff. But a lot of them, I mean, it makes more sense to move towards something like Android where it's a code base actually audited and you can just have that on your TV. Um, I have a TV that has WebOS, and actually Herman and I, we, um, we lost our remote for our TV and we were <laughs> literally the laziest people and didn't find it and wrote a web app to be a remote to connect to the TV. And we still haven't found a real remote. <laughs> Just have that. So it's cool when your TV does have an API and you lose your remote and you have like the the the, the time, I guess, to write uh, something like that. But other than that, I really don't know why, like what you need internet connection stuff for like that. So is there like a REST API on your TV or something? Yeah. I can I can post right now an alert to Hermit watching TV in the other room. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. But yeah, if anybody does have any of that sweet, sweet uh, TV ransomware, send it our way. <laughs> so the next, uh, the next story that we have in here, um, Homeland Security, uh, Department of Homeland Security has tested a working BlueKeep exploit. Which I don't know why this was even announced. Yeah, wait, hold on. I know someone already wrote a Metasploit module for it. They just didn't publish it. Yeah. Well, it's because like this is the buildup, right? Like, event like eventually something is going to make its way out into the public if it hasn't already. Um, but it's just like everyone wants everyone else to know that uh, the shit's coming and like it's doable, it's possible. I mean, I, I think it's already been done, and like right. before, like before we're hearing about it now, someone's done it and just hasn't told anyone. Obviously, hundred percent. Like. I don't know, but yeah, the, definitely the build-up until it becomes part of you know the next botnet that we talk about in about a year and a half when some skids figure out how to 
Isn't this also so damn serious because so many like point of sales terminals and whatever are running these old Windows versions with RDP? And it might not be the thing for like a worm on the public internet, but it might be like this goal, this total gem for anybody who is somewhere in an internal network. Oh yeah. Like, well, that's what I was saying. We're Nazi one, DVD. we're like one, uh, like VPN exploit away from like a real, real, real bad time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, even if it's not, you know, direct target, like RDP pwned and that's what you get, no matter what low hanging of fruit is still a good foothold. Same with the, um, you know, the SMB version one stuff you, you got, you popped one. Now you have access to the entire network. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely yeah. say there's some smaller cloud providers that are definitely going to be having a heavy investment in security this year. But also like, uh, probably an uptake in like Kexec billboard shit, you know, where people are out there hacking billboards without the Kexec. No. <laughs> I haven't heard from them in a while. Yeah. Um, maybe that's maybe they all went to jail. I don't know. It seems pretty crap. <laughs> that's totally true. Ran out of billboards. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I love how they also said that the the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency confirmed that they had used it to run code remotely on a Windows 2000 computer. That's like the least. Whoa. Thing. I've ever heard like, <laughs> like somebody was giving uh, malware tech shit about his POC being on like Windows 7 I think and somebody had said in the thread that the code was very similar it didn't matter I don't know how true that is I didn't look at it myself. Uh, yeah I'm I'm so terrible at Windows exploitation stuff um, judging by my OSCP record um, so uh-huh. I, I do not know anything about how it actually works I'd love to know um, but that's for another day. <laughs> but if any of you viewers out there have a working Windows 10 blue key proof of concept, send it over. Yeah, disclosure at thugcrowd.com. Yeah, you'll get a CLSSP. <laughs> yeah, send us your smart TV ransomware. That's really what I care about. Um, Sharing is caring. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Um, yo, so the next story we have here, um, shout outs to people who are legally not able to be on the show anymore. Um, the creator of Pokemon Go is suing an association of hackers that it says helps players cheat at its games. So I guess Niantic is um, trying to sue the people who developed like some, some cheat apps that bypass some of the controls in Pokemon Go and other um, products that Niantic makes um, ahead of their Harry Potter app launch. Um, and it's, it's I don't know, it's like really the weirdly dystopian because, I mean, think about the amount of bugs that were in Pokemon Red and Blue and the amount of cheats that were just freely distributed. And now people make cheats of things and they get sued. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like intellectual property stuff, but it seems that they're really more cracking down on like, Cheating. Well, there was also, uh, I also know somebody disclosed a bug in Pokemon Go where uh, certain items were, the, the amount of the item you had were uh, stored uh, locally. So you could just lock that memory and then away you go. You just keep using the item repeatedly forever. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff too. There was also one where you could like, uh, someone made a map and it would just tell you where every single Pokemon was or whatever. So you could actually you could then go spoof your you know, GPS to that specific location or where you found yeah. whatever. Yeah. So they were accepting, 
they were accepting uh, disclosure. So like they weren't not open to this, but also I guess the motivation of the people making these apps is they want to cheat. They want to win and they don't want to play. Yeah. I mean, it's also like just a challenge too, because it, it says right on the, on the download screen, you can't, you're not allowed to reverse engineer the app. And so <laughs> when you say that very prominently, I uh, it's like a, yeah, it's more like a challenge than anything. <laughs> Um, I think the biggest thing about this is, though, that the Harry Potter game uh, hadn't launched yet. So they were they were working on it pre-launch, which yeah. like, makes Pre-crime. people very mad. Pre-crime. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-crime. Well, well yeah, how, do you get... how similar the code bases are. Like, it's yeah, probably exactly the same. It, like, it's well, definitely how... engine that they're engine that they're trying to protect. Yeah, but how do they, uh, you know, do they find the servers? Like, how, what was the asset discovery process of uh, of this new game? Um, was, I, I think know, it's in what, beta. Yeah, they're most likely just... Oh, there was a beta available? Like, okay. that, that's what I read. Yeah. In Australia and uh, New Zealand, much before it came to North America, they probably had a very similar launch process. Right. Yeah. That's still interesting. I mean, you mentioned like hacking the old Pokemon games. I think it's clear that this is like a global game with like microtransactions, right? There's like money involved here uh, in, in like a clo- global MMO game. Uh, so, well, no, I mean, so it, it makes sense why they would want to protect it. It's just like, to me, the fun of video games is the the reason why I got into like hacking is because of being able to discover cheats and stuff and playing around and breaking things and like being like making your game unplayably glitched. Yeah. Um, but that, I, I guess know, the, it takes the wonder out of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think they are not going here after somebody who made some hacks and, and had fun with it, but going after a group that is commercially, I believe like selling or, or just giving out these, I, I believe they are mm-hmm. selling it yeah. like customized, apps for cheating and stuff like this this has like nothing to do with you know people like you going into the details figuring it out maybe sharing it with friends and stuff Mm -hmm. no absolutely i mean there's there's definitely two sides to it and it's for me though i'm just like hey let's let the people play but then at the same time we said this last week everything just gets ruined by people just trying to monetize cool stuff instead of just playing with it and sharing it with people yeah yeah money always ruins it that's when you turn it from fun into an actual problem if you were uh, interested in game hacking and you wanted to do some game hacking that was uh, in a nice little environment set up for you to do, Ghost in the Shell Code ran Pony Island 3, which was, uh, I think it was a Unity MMO that you can download the client and you're supposed to hack to get past certain, like, well, basically, you know, it, was, it was part of the CTF. Actually, I think if I recall correctly, there's this one guy on YouTube who did a small series on Pony Island. If I um, can't remember the name, though. Uh, sounds familiar, though. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting that uh, lawsuits like this aren't unprecedented. There was uh, Blizzard sued uh, Wild Glider or, you know, all these different uh, World of Warcraft bot companies before. Uh, So it's like, and they won, of course. So, yeah, I mean, besides just throwing around your legal weight to like cripple a small company, like it's uh, there is some legal precedent there for this kind of stuff to happen. Well, they were selling those cheats as well. So the the guys that Blizzard uh, sued that Defcon twenty that seven I don't know it was a long time ago. <laughs> Seventeen, maybe twenty one, or I don't know. 
<laughs> I was just reminded of the person who asked us to uh, make them cheats for Final Fantasy. Oh, oh my god! Can we? So yeah, so we. Uh, I'm going to go there real quick because that was hilarious. Somebody came into the old Thug Crowd Discord, a stranger, and was basically trying to uh, say, "Hey, can somebody help me write cheats? It's only just a thing that I want to make for myself." And then, like, that's a bad idea. Um, they're like, no, it's just for like Final Fantasy Online. We're like, Square Enix sue people. Like, that's a terrible idea. It's not going to end up well for you. Um, they ended up getting banned just because it was a terrible idea they kept pushing. Um, and then they came back later and were like, hey, somebody ransom me. Please help. Um, <laughs> they were like, I was looking for like, on the dark web forum and somebody ransomed me and they took all my money. Like, yeah, it was like, well, we told you. Terrible idea. It was, it was, Nothing good was ever going to come from that idea. You're not going to help yourself. You're not helping anyone. <laughs> yeah, we tried. To, we also tried to tell them, like, yo, like, learn about, like, learn C++, like, learn reverse engineering, like, learn stuff. If you, re- he's like, if it's just for me, if it's just for you and you're somebody who is interested in this stuff, definitely learn it. There's lots of awesome resources for it. But if you're just trying to be, like, a criminal and trying to, like, read from people that actually care about the stuff, yeah, it's um, a bad look. Just, um, just straight up getting ransom. That was, and then coming back, please help. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, the next story that we have in here, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, so Target uh, had a big outage um, this weekend, and it was interesting because the when someone had said that it was five years to the day that they had a register outage, it feels and smells like a cert issue and i don't think there's anything about that being publicly stated by i mean i don't think target would be like oh yeah we had a certificate issue like it's not something like a regular consumer would care about but that seems like something that would happen that's happened to me before where things just stopped working because a cert somewhere expired um i mean yeah took out that's what cron jobs are for <laughs> like, have you heard of Let's Encrypt? I don't know. It works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it took out uh, it took out card payments though for about ninety minutes, which is pretty significant. I mean, that's a for the entire chain to not have card payment for ninety minutes. That's an incredible loss of money, especially on the weekend. Yeah. Some some of the things though that uh, I've seen in payment networks, there was a client certificate um, on like to the to the payment gateway. So if the client certificate had have expired, then that's a little bit harder to replace um, than you know managing your own infrastructure's mm-hmm. service certificates. It's, easy, it's easier to track. Um, it's sort of up to whoever you're... I don't know if that's what it is, but I'm just, there's some complexities that maybe we don't know about. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that's, that's a, it's a bad luck. I mean, just <laughs> having all of your payments just out, it sucks. You just have to like put everything back or pay cash, yeah. have somehow but- cash. Per like per minute, I'm sure there's a value on this. Like I'm sure there's like business uh like business analysts who are like for every twelve seconds that this was down, we exponentially lost this much money. Like yeah. uh, oh, yeah. there's like some crazy algorithm that they would have put put a dollar figure on. I've seen people do that kind of math and I can only hope that I'll eventually be that smart. <laughs> Just an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. Some poor mm-hmm. person. <laughs> Um, when you say Excel, literally Excel, Excel. Shout out to Excel. Um, yo, so the next one here, actually, um, DNZ, you brought this one up. This was about digital drivers' licenses that are being rolled out in a uh, new software. 
Yeah, so this is uh, I haven't seen any of this right up until I saw that like there was a beta program that you could enroll in. Uh, I didn't even know this was going on, but you can have a digital driver's license on your phone, and then you have to have a physical driver's license as well. Um, oh, you don't need to present, um, but you do need the. So if you go into state or you go overseas, whatever you obviously need your regular driver's license. But if you get pulled over, I believe you only need the digital one. Now, I don't know about you guys, but making apps is pretty easy and <laughs> reversing Android apps is also fairly easy. So I can only imagine that uh, somebody who was a, you know, sophisticated and, you know, or maybe not even that sophisticated, someone who was dedicated enough could potentially figure out how to make a license that may appear to be someone else. I don't know. Because I think... So there was a QR code in some of the um, in in some of the the photos of the word that I saw. So I assume that the idea is you get pulled over and a cop sort of scans it and it makes a call somewhere, which means that there's going to be a callback, you know, somewhere on you know on a network somewhere as well um, to actually look up someone's identity and confirm who they are. You know, so still comparing a photo, still looking at that person. Um, yeah. So you're saying there's a real fun new endpoint somewhere. <laughs> there's, there's a real fun new endpoint somewhere, and there's a very nice Android app that uh, people can can probably oh, this, use. This reminds me of, um, of something, actually. Um, you might know about this, or I'm sure you do, about the German EID system that it had um, the... You, like, tack on, like, another request to, like, change identity stuff about yourself. Yeah, we have, like... So... I also don't really know exactly how the system works, but uh, I, I have just recently actually met somebody who has been involved with like building that. And he was explaining to me that you can basically create like temporary pseudonyms uh, to identify yourself with a certain application. And then it basically works that way that the application is certified to only ask, for example, about your age. And that will be then, you know, cryptographically all, all ensured that only your uh, ID will only respond with only your age to verify that, that you are that age, but nothing else about you. And on top of that, you have this temporary uh, pseudonym that even if two different services would get their database breached, they would not be able to correlate because you would have um, totally different uh, IDs for both these uh, services, even though you use the same card. How exactly that protocol works, I have no clue, but... Uh, in theory, yeah. it seems pretty cool. I remember seeing a PSD of somebody at basically like the it would sign it would sign the request, but so it would send a signed request, but the the initial request you could basically just like do an and blah 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 equals, and it would only it would only look at like the last parameter. So you could like have the first parameter mm. updated at some point, and then the next step you're basically just tacking on another piece of, of data it, and that would be the what was actually sent and signed that's funny like overriding uh overriding the first key like yep. that's um it's pretty like I, I think it's super scary though like i don't like i feel like having a license in my wallet uh even though you can you can fake a license you can buy fake ones on the you know whatever dark net market you like or you can buy them from like the guy on the corner or whatever you know what i mean um, but I feel like that's a, something you need, if you want, that's mine, you need to take it from me or you need to take it from somewhere. Whereas all of a sudden you put it on someone's phone and now you're like, 
Oh, sweet. So where's the SQL DB that holds that crypto keys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's scary. Yeah, one thing I was wondering about or worrying about is like oh, everything might be fine, but the government still controls, like there's a central server where, where all these requests kind of have to go through to to validate your ID, right? The government right. could take your ID away. You could move out of the country and stuff like that. So there must be the ability for the government to revoke your ID, how exactly in the same way your passport could be revoked. So if you do shit, and uh, they revoke your ID, you lose access to all your online accounts and all that stuff. So I feel like even even if they couldn't, like even if this is all cryptography, fine, still the ability to revoke your life, basically, you can't do anything anymore. Also in the digital world, seems like a bit, seems like a lot of power and trust you have to put into that. And I think as well, there's also the case of uh, where I believe it can show if you have outstanding fines, I think I read somewhere. So I guess if somebody was to, you know, just add something onto that mm -hmm. uh, or to remove something from that, I don't know. I don't know. It, imagine you had a warrant. I don't know. I don't have a warrant, but if you had a warrant and uh, it, does that come up when the cop scans it and only, only the cop sees it, like it's not on your app, it's on, he, he hits a different endpoint. I, I would imagine, I would hope, I really hope. Uh, yeah. It happens when network. you have a, a register outage, but for identities. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, I have no idea who you are, but that looks like a picture of you. Uh, free to go. You know, one time you, I tried to find, I tried to, uh, I, I was a day after my birthday and I was, I just didn't renew my license. Um, it was a day after my birthday and my license had expired on my birthday. And I went to a place where I had to do a wine tasting or I wanted to do a wine tasting, I guess there was like free wine. And I was just like, I don't even like really drink. So I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll try this wine. And I pulled out my license and they just didn't give it to me, even though I was like way over 21. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what it reminded me of. If you like some glitch happens and you're like, clearly it's me. <laughs> like, but for some reason you can't process this. So I can't like do a function of my life. Or yeah. you're doing like 120 in like a school zone <laughs> and the cop pulls you over. He's like, I guess you're free to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yo, the next thing um, we have on here, uh, Telegram blaming China for doing a DDoS attack on them during the Hong Kong protests. <laughs> I totally believe because it's something that's going to um, but did you see those protests? Those were insane. There were so many people on the streets in, in Hong Kong. And, um, and am I wrong to hear that they were using live ammunition in some places? Yeah, I mean, I, there's uh, like, what? there was a lot like, of. I don't, I don't think they shot anyone or anything, but I, I heard that it wasn't. They weren't using non-lethal everywhere. That's yeah. crowd control. I mean, I, I it's definitely a scary situation, and the fact that a government would just like. Instead of like doing anything else, just DDoSing, like you could, they do so many other crazy things, and that's what they resorted to, I guess, to take out Telegram. Yeah, um, I hope that I, I just imagine like some government official in China buying credits on like DankStressor.com. Get it done. They're like they, they they have to promote it on Discord too, so they just yeah. sign up for this, I guess, to post it in ten Discords. Um, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I that's definitely an interesting like tool, I guess, for for this because I mean, this is a local problem. This isn't something that is oh, yeah. outside of it, China. 
when when protests happen inside of certain countries, they the government often shuts down the internet to prevent yeah. the protesters from from communicating. Now mm-hmm. in Hong Kong, you know the the now it's a different case. It's like kind of an outside uh, state wants to disrupt the communication inside of it for a bit yeah. for those reasons. So the only chance they have is, I guess, the DDoS. But but in the effect is supposed to achieve the same thing as other states have done just with their local internet. Oh, absolutely. No, because it's interesting because, I mean, I've been to Hong Kong and they don't have the same, like, restrictions at all um, mm. for internet. Like, I could go on, I mean, <laughs> I didn't really go on the internet that much there because it was spooky, but... It's like um, American China. Yeah, it's definitely like... Uh, <laughs> American China. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it was created to be, basically. Yeah. And now China's trying to take it back, and that's the whole whole thing they're protesting. Yeah, uh, I find uh, the the DDoS is like pretty again, <laughs> as we've said a million times, it's not a very not really that effective. There's got to be some better, you know. Surely, of all of China's APT powers, and specifically, Telegram is not small. I'm sure they're aware what what Telegram is and where it runs from. Like they would have had something else lined up in case of emergency break glass kind of deal. But would you work burning it over this? I don't know. That's, yeah. that's up to China to decide, right? I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah someone in the chat said, Telegram should they use Dollar VPN Club. <laughs> Shout out to Dollar VPN Club. Thanks for sponsoring well, every single action that we take on the internet, including private chats. They take responsibility for it. So our tweets uh, are representative of our sponsor. Um, I sleep at ease knowing that Dollar VPN Club doesn't log any of my porn traffic. They don't log anything. They don't. They don't know what their anything is. They don't know. They, they don't even know if you're on the VPN or not. They just isn't it a like boot from CD direct to memory? Like the CD crypts, yeah, all the subs. CD, yeah. Actually, it's, it's actually it's a it's a small ROM similar to like a BIOS chip, and then you put that on your motherboard. And that's how you load the Dollar VPN Club client. <laughs> uh, so you just you have to just install. It's basically like a PCIe card that you can just plug in. It's um, actually a boot kit. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it actually writes your bootloader, and it helps you. Out. Yeah, <laughs> some, they have some cool products coming out um, for their XSS. Sales, the exciting summer specials. So um, take a look at that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, the world's first world's first Ring Zero VPN. Yes. Oh, which number are we on here? Yeah. The next uh, story we have in here is about uh, millions of Venmo transactions scraped uh, in a warning over privacy settings. So, yeah, this is. I mean, people have been scraping Venmo for a while, and actually, I didn't get to see this talk at Layer Eight. But there was a talk about uh, an OSINT tool using Venmo. And people have done a bunch of different projects with the public data from it. But yeah, basically, so if you don't, aren't familiar with Venmo, it's a, like a, a payment thing. I think it's sponsored by PayPal now or bought by PayPal. Yeah. Um, you can just send money back and forth between people pretty quickly and easily. Uh, but the default setting for transactions um, between two people, um, if you're doing a like any kind of transaction at all, it's set to public. So that means that anybody can see your transaction and anybody can search for transaction words or words you might put in the transaction name. So people will put like, oh, like for sushi or whatever. Um, people also put like 
for that lean that I bought or like for whatever weird, you know, ransom I paid. Um, that's all public data for the most part, unless you explicitly set it to private. Um, and so people have been, you know, criticizing the company saying you should make this private because there's no reason for people to, it's not like a blockchain. There's no reason to have a public ledger for payment. I cannot, I cannot comprehend how developers must have sat in like a meeting room and decided that they make something like that public. This is yeah. absolutely yeah. baffling. <laughs> also, uh, in the chat, vicemo.com, which uh, I guess now that it seems like they changed some stuff around, so there's not as many, but it used to just like constantly scroll. Like uh, anytime someone would put like drugs or like anything in their, uh, their description for their payment. Yeah. Uh, yes. There's still some. So the, article, the article references, uh, Johnny Christmas shout out, uh, that says that, uh, they restricted the API to, uh, historical data, mostly. So what, yeah. So what historical data can be collected? So it's I guess so they kind of listened, but not really, they didn't get it, you know, like they were told by like this researcher who is, you know, has a name, you know, that's like, you listen to this guy, hey, they're like, oh, yeah, we're listening. And then they like half do it. And like, yeah, hey, I'm good now. I don't know. Hell yeah. Um, definitely yeah. like, uh, you know, when you have to fill the field out, when you, sell, when you send money to people, just like regular bank transfers, do you guys ever put like weird stuff in there? Oh, All yeah. the time. Nothing that's but. Anything yeah. that I put in there. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You know, Sex oh, toys the game club in the chat. <laughs> Buying illegal shit with Venmo should have used yeah. club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I mean I feel like a lot of that stuff is. I see a lot of really funny stuff in there, so I, I do think it's funny when people that I know who are using Venmo um, are typing out weird stuff. But yeah, I the, keep on the weirdest thing they can think of. Unless it's like really funny, but other than that, it's a great OSINT tool and can be used to uh use against you um so yeah we're gonna do a break in a second i guess we can do this um story real quick if you want to actually shell you're the one who shared this um do you have anything to say about this uh firefox oday uh i mean it's pretty wild you don't see uh this kind of stuff come up too often there's just um issues with uh javascript objects due to or uh, type confusion vulnerability can occur when manipulating javascript objects due to Issues in array.pop. Oh, so a type confusion error in JavaScript. Who would have thought that? Uh, did you say types in JavaScript? What? <laughs> so I guess, is this like, so you like, you pop something off, like you, you pop something off and it's just like, it gets recast or something. Is that the, is that the idea? I have actually no idea, but it's, a uh, comes from project zero and the clone based security team. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I I guess it's somewhere in uh, Spider Monkey. Are they still using Spider Monkey or Firefox or my old man? <laughs> I have no idea. No, I just saw this and quickly quickly read through it. I was like, this is actually a really really neat thing, especially when you hear that it's you know been exploited in the wild. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exploiting like a lot of this stuff getting exploited in the wild is literally wild. So, you know, <laughs> super theoretical, and then like, if someone like saving it for point to own or whatever, get some money, and then someone's out there just like, nah, <laughs> excuse it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Hey, so it's uh, about halfway through the show. Um, we should take a little break here for about five minutes or so, um, get some water, and um, we'll come back and uh, chat with Lyle Overflow about everything he does. And yeah. Hell yeah. Music here real quick and I'll mute us so we don't start saying bad things. Crime, 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 crime. Crime, crime. I love crime. Ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get the music back. <laughs> 